Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different grape varieties, the different styles of wine, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, in our Sparkling Wine series, we move away from Europe and to the Southern Hemisphere, and we're going to look at three different countries, South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. And so conditions do change moving away from Europe, generally warmer. And this means that um, there's much less vintage variation than, for example, in Champagne. And so we're more likely to see vintage wines from South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand on a regular basis. It also means that picking the grapes at the right time is vital to maintain that balance between acidity and sugar. So let's look at these three countries. They're obviously all quite different, but they do have the overlaps. So South Africa is the only non-European country to have a designation for their sparkling wine, and that sparkling wine is called Method Cap Classique, or MCC. So South Africa has a long winemaking history going back nearly 400 years, and South African producers are very proud of that heritage. But in the 20th century, quality dropped quite drastically, and that's because under the apartheid regime, white farmers were protected, and their, the great prices were fixed by the uh, government cooperative, and so there was no incentive to produce uh, quality wine. And so the South Africans now are quite conscious of um, emphasising the quality of their wines and maintaining that quality. And so the geographical indications are quite specific compared to other non-European countries. And this is true of the MCC. It began in the 1970s, the, the movement, and then it was formally designated in 1992. And that's because the term method champenoise could no longer be used if you wanted to export your wines to the EU. And so they created their own term, MCC. And this has um, had an emphasis on quality. The wines must be made using the traditional method, and they have to be aged for 12 months on their lees before release. And initially, in 1992, that rule was 9 months, and then in 2013 it was upgraded to 12 months, and that just shows that the MCC designation really is about pushing for quality. There's 20 different geographical areas, and the most important are some of the best quality areas for still wine, Stellenbosch, Franschhoek, and also Constantia. Constantia is just below Cape Town, and this is the coolest part of South Africa's wine-producing regions, and it can produce really good, fresh, crisp, sparkling wine. Also, uh, Paul and Robertson can uh, produce MCC as well, but further inland. And there are three types of soil in these areas. There's Table Mountain Sandstone, so the same type of rock which forms Table Mountain in Cape Town, decomposing granite and shale. Uh, any grape variety can be used, usually the Champagne grapes, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay and Meunier. But also Chenin Blanc can be used and Pinotage is used as well, maybe more for rosés. And there are 72 members of the MCC. But that's not the only style of wine which is produced in South Africa. The, the cheaper stuff is, is carbonated, and these are easy-drinking, sweet wines, mainly for a domestic consumption. can be made from any grapes, and the way that these wines are carbonated is that you have the base wine, the sugar levels are adjusted before the carbonation, the wine is then chilled, and it's passed through a carbonator, and then stored under pressure to absorb the carbon dioxide. And these are going to be very simple, not particularly good wines, but easy-drinking. South Africa has a warm Mediterranean climate, and the best grapes for the MCC are on east or southeast facing slopes because these benefit from the morning sun. And the picking is crucial. If you pick too early, then there'll be green underripe aromas. If you pick too late, the acidity will be too low. So it's about picking at the right time where you have a balance between sugar and acidity. So that's South Africa. Moving away to Australia. So Australia is a large country and has a diverse range of climates. And Australia 
arguably produces the best sparkling wine outside of Europe because Australian producers have been working with suitable sites for sparkling wine production for nearly 200 years now. The very first sparkling wine in Australia was made in 1826 and that was on the island of Tasmania which um, generally has the cooler climates of um, Australia. Australia also has a tradition of regional blending, bringing different regions together to create a wine which has a balance maybe picking one region for acidity, another for fruit, another for alcohol, etc, etc, and then bringing them together. And in the 70s and 80s and 90s, when Australian wine really, really got going, the modern industry at least, the, the fashion was for big, bold, fruity, high-alcohol wines. And the cooler areas like Yarra Valley and Tasmania were unfashionable, so they would not appear on the label. But the sparkling wine producers could use those regions and then blend them with other regions as well to get a bit more body and the wine would not have the specific region where it's from, it would just say Southeast Australia. But now these cooler areas are much more fashionable, the, the trend for balanced, lower alcohol, less in your face wines is um, on vogue, and so these regions now are much more talked about and they'll appear on the label. So Yarra Valley, Adelaide Hills and Tasmania are the best regions for premium sparkling wine. Also in Victoria and New South Wales, the Alpine parts are really high altitude for the cooler climate. But still, it's about picking when the acidity and sugar are fully balanced. These will be made in the traditional method, but for higher volume uh, sparkling wine, the transfer method will be used. So that method whereby you uh, empty, empty the bottles into a tank, filter the yeast out, and then put them back into the bottle for release. And these will be made from the champagne grapes. There are um, a lot of bulk sparkling wine made in Australia as well, and these were made in Riverland, Riverina, Murray Darling, where in general that's where the bulk wine is made, so inexpensive. And these grapes will be picked early. This, these regions are quite far inland, so they have a hot continental climate, so picking early to maintain the acidity, and you'll still have some fruity, ripe aromas as well. These will be made using the tank method or carbonation, and they may receive acidification if the, the acidity is not high enough. Any grapes can be used. The main ones are Chardonnay, also Sultana, which is a table grape, Semillon, Pinot Noir and Grenache. And then there's another style of uh, wine, Muscat, which um, mimics Moscato d'Asti. It's low in carbon dioxide and low in alcohol, and it's sweet, full of primary aromas of grapes and flowers. But this is made using carbonation, it's not made using the tank method. And then there is one distinctive, unusual style of wine made in Australia, and that's sparkling Shiraz. And this will be made um, in Barossa, for instance, or McLaren Vale, Clare Valley, Coonawarra, Rutherglen, those were those were the premium regions for sparkling Shiraz. And this goes back to the 19th century when sparkling red wine was much more common than it is now in, in France as well as places like Australia. But now it seems very unusual and a little off-putting to have a, a sparkling wine that's red and that has tannins. So it's a style that has declined in popularity unfortunately and people are more accustomed to traditional method sparkling wine from Chardonnay and Pinot Noir that's either white or rosé without any tannins. And also people have started drinking, in Australia at least, musk, the sparkling muscat more because it's quite light and easy drinking, whereas sparkling Shiraz can be a little more difficult. The grapes are picked when they're, they're ripe, so you've got ripe fruit aromas, but the tannins are soft, so you don't want the tannins to interfere with the wine too much. For the premium sparkling Shiraz, the traditional method is used, and some oak may be used either in fermentation or in the aging. And sparkling Shiraz can actually be quite expensive and very high quality as well. For the lighter styles, the tank method or even carbonation will be used. 
and the wines will be sweet. The residual sugar will range between 20 and 40 grams per litre. There will be tannins, and the best examples will have firmer, more gripping tannins, whereas the lighter styles will be a lot softer. And then you'll have red and black fruit aromas, like Shiraz itself. So that is Australia, moving eastwards to New Zealand. And New Zealand is the one country outside of Europe which has the climate which is most naturally ideal for the production of sparkling wine. New Zealand is surrounded by sea, and so there are cool maritime breezes, which is great for producing more uh, moderate acidic wines. But the summers are dry and sunny, so the conditions are quite easy. So ideal for sparkling wine, producing wines with crisp acidity. Best regions, Marlborough and Central Otago. The Central Otago is lower volumes, much smaller area. New Zealand does have free draining soils, and so irrigation might be needed in some years when um, the soils lose too much water. New Zealand is, of course, a very young country, especially in terms of wine production. It's only in the early 70s that quality, quality wine began to be made, and it's only in the last 30 years that New Zealand has emerged onto the international scene, and that is true of sparkling wine as well. So still quite a new thing. The grapes are 75% Chardonnay, 25% Pinot Noir for the production of sparkling wine. Premium sparkling wine will be made either using the traditional method or transfer method for higher volume. And the wines are not, on average spend about 18 months on their lees, so quite complex yeasty lees aromas that you'll find in New Zealand. But there's also basic sparkling wine produced in New Zealand as well, and that will be made using the tank method. And then there is one other unusual style, Sparkling Sauvignon Blanc, and this is a very new style, because in 2008 there was a surplus of Sauvignon Blanc grapes, and producers did not know what to do with them. So they came up with the idea of making it sparkling, and creating an entirely new category for the market. And these wines are made by carbonating the still wine, and that's because if you put Sauvignon Blanc through a lees aging, it goes weird, it just doesn't like that um, contact with the lees. And so just carbonating the still wine, putting bubbles into it, it retains the character and the freshness of Sauvignon Blanc. And sparkling Sauvignon Blanc simply tastes like Sauvignon Blanc that has bubbles in it. It's almost like drinking an elderflower cordial. Very easy to drink. New Zealand does have a difficulty in exporting its sparkling wine because of the competition from all around the world. The sparkling wine they're producing is very similar to sparkling wine that's produced everywhere from Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. And so New Zealand really does rely on exports for its wine because it's a small country with not that great a wine drinking culture. So whereas South Africa and Australia, those sparkling wines are consumed domestically, New Zealand needs to try and export them and having some difficulty in that because of the competition. Some producers, Lindauer is the biggest. Brancart Estate was the first to produce a high quality sparkling wine to show that it could be done. And that's partly owned by Dutz, the champagne producer. And then Pelarus um, is owned by Cloudy Bay, and actually 25% of Cloudy Bay production is Pelarus, and their wines are quite good as well, with the complex Lees aromas. But these wines, although New Zealand has a cooler climate than Australia or South Africa, there's still a bit more body, a bit more weight, and a bit more fruitiness to the sparkling wines. So that's the South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. Thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.